mental building, hiding in the shadows so I can keep an eye on the street below. Alfred says I have trouble with intimacy, but people often die when they get close to me. I'm kicking and punching. Welcome, folks, to the DC Threekly Batman, Eter- Batman and Robin Eternal podcast. Uh, this is a conversation about Batman and Robin Eternal, the weekly book from DC Comics. This week we are covering issue number seven, which was scripted by Genevieve Valentine, her first script of the series, and illustrated by Alvaro Martinez, also his first issue of the series. Joining me as always, by the way, I'm Brian, uh, and joining me as always are Zach and Vince. And without further ado, let me go through the issue here. It begins with a flashback in Prague where Batman and Dick Grayson Robin are chasing down the Scarecrow's crew and they find one of his workers that is gassed with fear toxin. They then go to the Prague Batcave, which is kind of an interesting idea. Uh, But then we see in the present day... Dick Grayson, Harper Rowe, and Cassandra Kane in that Batcave, they figure out that the next person on the list is the prima ballerina of the Prague Ballet, and so they formulate a plan to uh, have Harper and Cassie tail her while uh, Dick goes about some business to try and find Orphan. Um, in addition to that, in the city of Gomorra, we have... Uh, uh, Tim Drake and Jason Todd, and Jason is needling Tim about getting into a fight with Dick. They eventually talk about it a little bit more. There's a kind of a kind of a nice moment between the two, and then they um, essentially decide that they they spot some uh, some black market dudes in the bar that they're in, and they want to get some answers for what it's not really clear, I guess. Then we have another flashback to Prague with Bruce Wayne talking to somebody named Hamilton, about how to get in touch with Mother, and he tells him basically, class it up and Mother will find you. Then we have Dick on the rooftop, Cassie and Harper in the ballet. Cassie Kane loves the ballet. That's something we learn here. Um, we have the prima ballerina, and she's... Uh, we essentially see the woman who is her caretaker who's going to have to kill her, or have to at least activate her. And so we see the first bit of the ballet, and it's seemingly wonderful. At intermission, she is unlocked by mother, by an, audito- an auditory clue. And then um, Dick thinks he's found the orphan, but it turns out it's just a trap. At the same time, the ballerina and a number of the people on stage basically try and attack Harper and Cassie. And we find out that Mother is in the building and that she encounters Dick Grayson. Did I forget anything? I think you got oh. it. Okay, so uh, what would you guys think of this issue? Oh, a lot of fun. Yeah, I really I like this one a lot. Um, I, I concur, yeah. It kind of reminded me, I don't know why, I think maybe just the art is kind of... Um, it feels kind of unique compared to like the the style that we've seen so far, and so in that way, it kind of reminded me of that issue that we got early on in Eternal. That um, I think it was Ian Bertram did. Uh huh. Yep. It's the it's first not one in Brazil, quite as like right? out there. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so it's not quite as out there um, in terms of the the style, but I guess maybe just the international setting and kind of the slight departure from the, the style we've seen, it kind of reminded me of that. He yeah. does some, like, really interesting things. I love that double-page spread. Oh, that's gorgeous. Yeah. That's a gorgeous for a weekly book. I mean, I I know uh it's a different artist so that he probably had plenty of time to work on it, but but you know, they could easily phone something like that in and mm-hmm. and to have a double-page spread that looks like that in the middle of this weekly comic is is just awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Um there were uh there were a couple really nice moments for me. I thought that excuse me. I thought that uh Bruce Wayne in a tuxedo was as debonair as Bruce has looked in the New Fifty Two. <laughs> like this is this to me is very um like late nineties, early two thousands Playboy Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed that look. I thought it was it was handled very, very well. Um, but uh, does he look as good as Harper in a tuxedo, though? Or Cassie in that uh, little black dress. They both look stunning. By their own admission, that is. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I... There's another panel here I wanted to point out, but somebody else talk and I'll find it. Yeah, the, the, the thing about about the the suave debonair Bruce is that he, you know he's kind of working this guy Hamilton for information but because we don't because we don't know yet what Bruce wants with mother or what what he ended up doing what his greatest sin was it comes off as kind of sinister almost yeah oh, it's definitely yeah, ambiguous it does. i can't remember what exactly he says he says, believe me, Hamilton, I've never needed anything more. Right, yeah. When, he, when Hamilton says, uh, prove you're serious and that you need this. Yeah, it's just really, I mean, you, you know that it's going to be for some for some ulterior purpose that that's going to ultimately be something that Bruce thinks is good, you know, but but it just comes off as really, like, skeevy here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, just going back to the art by Martinez, there's a page uh, in the last couple of pages where uh, Dick is walking around like the the top floor of the opera house or the ballet house, whatever it is, and there are all these backgrounds, like these large backdrops. Oh, yeah. And the backdrops are just painted gorgeously, and I wonder if that's one of those things where the colorist is the one responsible or the anchor or if Martinez, because this is, this is an issue um, we should give full credit here, inked by Raul Fernandez and colored by Sandra Molina. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who's responsible for those backdrops, but they're a perfect mix of comic realism and actual realism. Like the, the backgrounds look like something you might see in an opera or a ballet if you went to like any theater in the United States and saw it, but it's still comic booky enough to fit in that world. It's just a really, really nice panel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a great concept of, of him walking through this darkened, you know, um, backstage area at, to just have these gigantic backgrounds. 
I I love the concept. It, it's you know. Yeah, the sense of scale ideas. there is really cool. Yeah. 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 I mean, we could go on and on. This issue has a lot of really interesting stuff. I think that it's interesting to see. I don't know what the title of is for like the ballerina coach, but to see her recognize that she has to be part of mother activating this ballerina and then effectively killing her and just to see the heartbreak on her face. And it's not overplayed by Martinez. You know, she doesn't look too maudlin, but you just look at her face and there's just, you can see she's hiding pain and it's again, it's really, really solid work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's some, I, there's some really subtle facial work here. I love in that there's the page towards the end um, where Cass kind of makes the ballerina, you know, figures out that she's under mother's control. And she, there's just like these, this series of panels where the ballerina's face is just like changes slightly, yep. you know, and it's really, it's just really cool visual storytelling. Absolutely. And we're probably doing it no justice at all by talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think I think another thing to point out is that um, I, I think the art's been really decent in 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 all of the issues so far. But I think we've mentioned maybe a few times, like, "Oh, this character looks a little bit off," or "This isn't exactly what I expect." You know, this this image of Tim actually looks like Damien, something like that. Right, you know? right. But the art in this issue pretty much nails every character. Like I don't have any complaints about how anyone looks. Right. Agreed. You know? Yeah. I, I am, you know, we were talking before we started recording about how we've all seen his work in a few places, but we're not really huge. We we don't, we don't know a lot about Martinez as an artist, but see in this book, I want him on a monthly book right now. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Or at least being a regular part of the weekly schedule. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking back through now, and I know before the podcast you mentioned kind of a Patrick Gleason vibe, and I'm seeing that a bit more. Yeah. And some of the faces, too, I'm also seeing almost kind of like a Dustin Wynn-esque quality. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I am... Um, I'm, I'm so thrilled. Like, you know, one of the nice things about doing this podcast is that, you know, it's the first book I read now when I when I get my books, and... When it's a good issue, I'm like, oh man, this can be fun to talk about this week, you know? Yeah. It's, just, it's a pleasure. And this issue had just like time after time, really, really. Every page turn brought something nice and interesting visually, as well as the story. You know, I, I think it's nice to see. I don't want to say that Dick, I mean, sorry, that, that Tim and Jason are bonding necessarily, but. You know, I am not a fan in general of the rehabilitation of Jason Todd. Mm-hmm. If they're going to do that, though, this is a pretty good way to do that. <laughs> there you go, stealing my one thing again. Oh, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> Seriously, every single week. <laughs> one of us takes someone's, yeah. yeah. Is that what you were going to say, though? That if they yeah, have to was... do it, at least this is a decent way to do it? That's exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say, you know... Um, They've they've done a lot of work, especially in this series, but in in other series too, to try to get him back into the Bat family. And I think regardless of how you feel about that, that there 
it, it's working, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's if it has to be this way, I I think they're keeping that nice balance of him being somewhat roguish to actually feeling like a part of this family. Um, so yeah, that was basically exactly what I was going to say. If they have to do this, it's, it's working out pretty well, I think. I'm, I'm sorry for stealing your thunder. That's all right. <laughs> Uh, because of that, we'll come to you last with our one thing this week. Uh, Zach, what's your one thing? Um, so maybe this was just me, but do you guys think they are um, hinting at a uh, kind of a deeper relationship forming between Harper and Cass? Like a romantic one? Maybe. Like, there's the really obvious scene, like, in the ballet scene, you know, where, like, Cass reaches over and, like, grabs her arm. But in a panel before that, I noticed, and and that's the, this is what made me, like, wonder. Um, there's a couple pages before that when Cass and Harper are walking into the the ballet uh, dicks at the top of the page. It's three panels, and it almost kind of looks like Cass is, like, reaching out to, like, grab Harper's arm. And yeah. I, don't nece- I don't necessarily, like, know... I my first thought wasn't like jumping to like a romantic thing, but almost kind of like a dependent relationship. Yeah. I you know? can see that too, but I could easily see that becoming something more. I'm sure there are a ton of people out there shipping that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, it's funny just mentioning cast for a second here. There's a one panel in this issue where Cass looks so much like somebody I know, it freaked me out. You know, just, just, just like the angle or whatever. Um, I can definitely see a, a more substantial relationship, whether it's romantic or not, coming coming out of that. Um, mm-hmm. And I actually think that the time has never been more right for, like, a young woman of Gotham ongoing. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, you put Steph Brown with them. And I think people buy that book, you know, every week and, uh, you know, twice on Sundays. Yeah. Um, I know I would. Yeah, so would I. So uh, my, I actually have two very small things for my one thing. The first is I think there's a really nice character moment for Jason when he's on the plane with Dick. He has this giant knife and he's, like, picking, like, dirt out from between the... Uh, like the 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 soles of his shoes, and I feel like that's just such a like subtle character moment, and nothing needed to be in that page. I think that's that's the that like encapsulates this issue for me in general. They could have just had Jason sitting there in the airplane, and nobody would have said a thing. But to go to the detail of like having him just fuck with his shoes because he's bored and he has a giant knife on him, like it's just it's a really nice character moment, and I'm uh, I'm glad that that uh, Martinez took the time to do stuff like that. The mm-hmm. other thing is also a uh, a Jason moment, and we were talking before air about Titan's Hunt and how in Titan's God Hunt... Damn. Is this yours? I'll give it to you. Take it, take it, take you're it. Gonna, you're going to talk about the Duck Island he's drinking? I was, take it though. Yeah, out, he's not drinking Zach Daniels. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that was gonna be my go for one. it. That's yours. That's yours. So well, that yeah. Explain Titans Hunt for people. So Titans Hunt number two starts out with Roy Harper just boozing it up, and he's drinking straight out of a bottle of Zach Daniels, not Jack Daniels, 
the world famous drink we all love, <laughs> Zach Daniels. <laughs> and so at least that didn't make it into this book. No, but he's drinking Duck Island instead of Goose Island beer. But you know, that's true. But wasn't the, I, I thought of Batman Eternal where there was that? Wasn't there like the Duck Bar? I forget what it was no, called. No, wasn't oh, that was a, that was Future's end. end. Oh, that was and that was where... and that was Tim working there. Oh, yeah. okay, all right. But still, I don't know if this means that we don't look at these issues close enough, or if we all have the same weird obsessions, and so we're <laughs> stepping on each other's things every week. I think we just have the same sensibilities. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, anything else to add about the issue? I I really liked it. I think it might be my favorite issue so far. Yeah. And uh, I I wanted to put a quick shout out out there for uh, an awesome cover by Dan Panosian. Is it, I don't know if that's how we pronounce the name or not. Yeah. Well, talk about a, talk about an underrated artist, by the he, way. Yeah. Yes. I, he. I don't know if I've ever seen him do interiors. He did a backup in the early new 52 all-star western okay that's right i remember that Uh, yeah and it was gorgeous i i love his art he never gets enough credit yeah the covers for eternal have been pretty fantastic like i've enjoyed the like i you know i've enjoyed the team the artists that they've got to do the interiors but I think they've gotten some really interesting artists to do the covers as well. The first three covers were all Tony Daniel. And those, I don't want to say those are good covers. Those are fine covers. But they're mm-hmm. very much what you'd expect from Tony Daniel. Right. Then we have uh, Paul Pelletier did one. And uh, Francis Manipal did one. Then last month we got Tony Daniel again. And then this month, Panosian. So, I mean, it's been a really nice mix of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess I, I maybe I'm like also basing it on other covers I've seen for issues that aren't out yet. Right, right, yeah. No, it's been incredibly strong. So for Zach and Vince, I am Brian, and we'll see you next week.